Hello, gentlemen. Hello, man. How's life? When can we start smoking some cigars on this podcast? We are right now. Are you not? Yeah, I am. Oh, <laughs> for those of you that can't see us, which is everyone, Jake just put yeah. a lighter up to the sprinkler system in his apartment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was wise. Can you guys hang on and wait? Can you remind mm-hmm. me what we're talking about this week, dude? Yes, today is the continuation of creativism, part mm. two. Me likey. Does that interest you? Yes, it does. Because there was like three or four things, and by that I mean one or two things that we, I wanted to talk about that we didn't, <laughs> and so I want to talk about them now. How's that I sound? like that. Yeah, I've, I feel like last week's conversation could have just gone on forever. Maybe from now on, we should just let them go, and if they break like three hours, we just cut them in half and post them in separate hey. weeks. We I should like do it like idea. in the middle of a sentence so that you have to listen <laughs> to the first one. Stay tuned for next week to hear how this sentence ends. <laughs> no. Yeah, we had we had a lot of people that actually really liked the the creativity talk, so figured this would be a good follow-up to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll be fun for us. So I can't really remember how we left off on the last one, but there's so much to talk about with it. I feel like we could just kind of like jump in anywhere really right? yeah yeah we definitely could um, um or we could just spend the whole podcast talking about starting the podcast and then not actually start it <laughs> i feel like we have this again we have this we have this weird thing where we like don't know, ever know how to start these podcasts <laughs> we break the fourth wall for like 20 minutes before we actually <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah um i will I, th- I think the one thing that I was thinking about after we finished last week was... Two weeks ago. Was it really two weeks? The creativity one? Mm-hmm. Or just in general, the podcast last week? I don't know, but... All right, just keep last, going. I'll, I won't interrupt you. No, it's okay. I need that sometimes. Um, well, it was, we were talking about a little bit, I remember during the creativism podcast, like... Our um, our differences in writing and how we um, build off of a our ideas and um, mm-hmm. I think like specifically songwriting. Just in trying to write over the last couple of weeks, I I feel like I've been super busy, so I've had a hard time sitting down and like putting thoughts down, but. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we talked a little bit about how I'm working that other job right now that, you know, just during the pandemic and, um, or the unnamed thing, I guess. Uh, <laughs> and the nice part about it is that I'm really on my own for most of the day. And even my supervisor has said, you're kind of your own boss because you just need to work through this stuff as it comes and, um, which has been nice, but it allows a lot of like thinking time and a lot of time for me to write down my thoughts. And more than ever, I have solidified my style of the main idea and then, um, 
fleshing something out from that main idea. And it's, it's been really fun for me to write down these big picture ideas. Um, I always, I always go back to the, our song playing with matches because. Ooh, throwback. Yeah. Yeah. From places, mm-hmm. which is a Rick. I don't even know if anybody can DM us. We'll hook you up. But, um, <laughs> playing with matches is like a very clear, seemed very clear while you were listening to that song. Like this idea was solidified and then mm-hmm. it was expanded upon. And I've had, you know, as you guys know, and as our listeners probably know by now, and I appreciate the fact that before most podcasts, people don't know this, but these guys let me talk politics for like 15 (laughs) minutes so I can like get it off my chest. But just with everything that's been happening, I've felt very like connected to people and just kind of the crazy state mm. of the world that we're in right now. And so it's given me a lot of like really great title ideas. And mm. the funny thing is I can take those title ideas to Nick or like the hook is what we call it. Like that thing at the end of the chorus that brings it all around, you know? Right. Um, I can bring that to Nick and then, and then we can work on a whole song together, which which works really well. But like Nick said on the last one we did, um, creativism, he said it's hard for us to get together and just pull something out of thin air. Yeah, because you know? we're we're very we feed off of each other a lot, and mm-hmm. if we're just like both jamming, <laughs> we we don't like necessarily make a really good idea. But right. I know this is like kind of deep in the weeds to start talking about, but I guess it's um, okay, dude. I'm ready for, for you. Yeah, Jake. I mean, when you guys are, are when you're working on a product, how much of it before you come in and add your taste to it and what you think? How much of it is is set before you before you actually get to working on it um basically all of it like the the entire product concept is fully fleshed out really before i even have a hand in it like you my job isn't necessarily the vision of the product it's mostly the execution and like the creativity comes in figuring out how to make the overall idea happen so it'd be akin to like you coming to a songwriting session with Nick with the the idea and then you guys working out, you know, the melody and the harmony and all this together. Mm. Um, so, yeah, there's not much like out of thin air <laughs> ideas that I, I have at work. Yeah. Is that hard for you? Yeah, it is. It, I I think I expected to be doing more of the conceptual work. Like I, I kind of hoped to do conceptual and execution stuff because I I like both but um, it's like a completely different position that does all of the like here's the product we're going to make you guys go do it kind of thing so I think it has to be that way just from a bandwidth standpoint like um, there's just there's so much management that goes into like keeping track of the the whole overarching idea that 
to be able to do both um, and do both well would be pretty impossible. So mm. um, I think one day I would like to work more into that upper level, like conceptual, really defining the vision type role. Um, but for right now, I'm I'm learning a lot about the execution, which I think will, um, you know, I I think you ha- kind of have to start from that sort of place of boots on the ground to really um, be taken seriously as a, a high level idea guy. Because if you come up with these, like, I mean, there's two stances, but my opinion is if you come up with super outlandish ideas and have no fundamental understanding of how things are actually brought into existence or how things actually happen, then it's harder for the rest of your team to buy into it. But if you come from a place of like understanding at least like a basic understanding of how things work and have some experience there, um, it's easier to get buy in because people know that you actually have an idea of what you're talking about. So um, it's kind of like to bring it back to music. Like I've worked with some musicians. I used to, I actually got fired from a band (laughs) once. (laughs) The only, the only other band that I've, that I've played with um, in my adult career, I got fired from, which is hilarious, but um, (laughs) it was this, this constant tension of this guy didn't ever know how to explain his ideas or um, really, communicate what he wanted out of the song because Mm -hmm. he had never played with other musicians before. Like he was kind of a a studio guy. He would, he would write the songs and come in and lay down the vocals. And then the producer would send him the full band mix, you know, like he had no real um, contribution to the musical endeavors. So I, I eventually got fired because um, I didn't agree with anything that he wanted because everything that he told me to do like was coming from this place of not really understanding what he was asking for. Right. Did you say that to him? No, but I would give my opinions and not like in a diva, like as a diva, but I would say, you know, I really think musically the song is doing a lot of this. So on drums, it would complement things a little bit better to do things this way or, or whatever. And he just didn't like, he didn't like me telling him what I thought was best. He was uh, very mm. much an artist. If, if that, yeah. I, I think you guys know what I mean by that, but. Yeah, we had a hard um, time with that. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, I mean, it, it was bizarre because every, everything that I was suggesting was in no means like me saying, well, I just want to shred drum solos, you know, like everything that I was saying was from a perspective of like, I'm trying to compliment you. Like, this is your song. I don't think what you're telling me to do is actually what you want. So let me try and right. translate it to like a, a more feasible solution. What was his style? Um, it's very poppy. Like, I think he was, he was kind of going for the, um, Oh, what's his name? The guy that plays piano. Uh, that's super vague. We talked yeah, we about him a couple of weeks, <laughs> talked about him a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about like need to breathe Ben Rector. Oh yeah. He, he was very much in this, in like that realm of like piano led, like kind of poppy, poppy music. Um, At least that's the vibe I got from him. So it's not like, you know, the drum parts had a lot of opportunity for showing off and that's not my style anyway. But 
we had some disagreements about like, we were going to play this show in a coffee shop and, um, they like really wanted me to play with hot rod sticks, which oh. like anyone who's a drummer knows like that these hot rod sticks are basically just designed for people that don't know how to play quiet. Like <laughs> I have a, I, I have a set of sticks that are of the same style, but they're mostly for a, like a specific texture and I don't use them very often Yeah, um, because I know how to play with dynamic control. And so I told him, and they sound terrible. Like these hot rod sticks sound like garbage. Yo, how would you describe the difference in sound? Is it like not It just crisp? sounds, yeah, it just sounds muddy. It sounds mm-hmm. muffled and like it sounds unintentional, which is in a, in a weird way. Um, yeah, yeah, it's kind of hard to explain, but the, the main disagreement that we had was I kept telling him, dude, trust me, like I have played in small, I've played for rooms of two or three people and I didn't blow them away. And I played with sticks, you know, like I know how to play, but he wanted me to play he didn't want me to cater my playing to the room. He wanted the drums to sound the same way every time. So what? to him, that meant play with the same energy, but just with a set of sticks that forces the sounds out of the drums to be quieter. And so yeah. he was he was not willing to compromise on the style for the venue. And mm-hmm. so that's that's ultimately why I got let go. He never said that that was why, but I know that's why because we argued about it a lot. How did it go when he said he was going to let you go? Um, well, ironically, I was on a beach in Cancun when he texted me, so I literally could not care less. <laughs> like I was, I was supposed to do like two or three shows with him before I moved to Kansas City, so I wasn't, I wasn't uh, super broken up about it. But he basically just said, "Hey, I think uh, we're not going to need a drummer for these shows at the end of the day, so we're going to." Funny thing is, he had already paid me for the shows, so mm. I got paid. And didn't even play the shows, so that's know. right. That's I think he found he found me on whatever that website was where you can find musicians. It's like Tinder for musicians. Geek Salad, uh, Geek Salad, yeah. So the deal with that is they have to pay you up front, essentially. That was mm. the deal that we worked uh, out. So he paid me for like three shows that I didn't actually pay, play. So that's all right. <laughs> it was fine. Yeah, it was fine. It was a good experience for me music, musically, actually, because um, it was my first like opportunity to play with someone else that wasn't you guys, which was interesting yeah. in itself. Um, yeah, I feel like it's such a um, we we've, we've talked about with uh, a, a guy that used to drum with us, uh, Alex Ritter, that when you leave a band or get kicked out of a band, I guess in some circumstances, it's kind of right. like you're breaking up with your girlfriend because you have to go get your stuff and like (laughs) usually your gear is in a certain place and it's like you have a kind of a weird awkward conversation about like you know man this just just, isn't working out yep it's not you it's it's me me. (laughs) (laughs) i'll be thinking about you man like i hope everything goes well and best of luck to you and all your endeavors (laughs) man you guys have pros but um yeah he yeah that was that's kind of funny to think about like the the way that musicians because it's such like a a sacred thing you know like sharing music with each other and it's a very intimate thing it's for me personally 
it's about as intimate as I get with other people other than like actually having a, a relationship <laughs> with that person. Right. And, uh, you know, you can have like this session with someone where you're working on music or rehearsing that feels um, like you're kind of putting it all on the line. You know, you, you, mm-hmm. it's this weird like rush of you want to try new things, but you also want to be respectful. And so it's like, right. that's dating a girl right there. But there's yeah. you know there's also mean? chemistry and, and it, too. Oh my yeah. gosh. Are we still talking about music? Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, dude, there's so much emotion in in music. I mean, yeah. that's not to say that you can't just be a hired gun, right? And right. play the parts super well. There's so many guys that do that. Um, mm-hmm. But I feel like, I mean, for us, because we've been playing for so long together and we are all creative together and have you know, creative input to all the songs. Like we all, we're all a lot more invested to them. And yeah. like while we're playing, because a lot of the ideas come from like a shared, a shared space of feeling basically. Um, mm-hmm. We're all a lot more invested emotionally too. Yes. Then, you know, some of the other, some of the other cats that we play with that are, you know, paid to play the songs and yeah, I, you know, they always enjoy it because the music is fun, but, I don't know mm-hmm. if it's always on the same level. It it just depends. Yeah, there's like a certain level of getting together and, and having that vibe where you are playing live versus in the studio because they're two different things. Like, I feel like when right. we play live, it's definitely more about finding those people that, yeah, they, they know the parts, but also there has to be some sort of chemistry there for us to be able to follow each other like around the song in front of a live audience because mm-hmm. it's it's kind of uh it's kind of like dancing you know like you you find a partner who you either mesh with or you find a partner and you like step over their feet the whole time and mm-hmm. it's like a weird thing compared to the studio and then you get in the studio and it's very cut and dry like cookie mm-hmm. cutter parts and you just like show up and do your thing and then unless you're playing live in the studio but um, right. I think it's it's just really weird to think about having that connection with somebody through music where you don't really have to talk. You just kind of you you just feel, you both feel that thing that happens, and it's not really something that can be right. explained. It's really weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I mean I think that's why I think a lot of people would be surprised to learn that most of the time their favorite bands are not the ones that are like the whole band is not actually in the studio. Mm-hmm. Like there's so many times where I find out that like the this drummer that I love from one of my favorite bands actually didn't play on the record, but he plays right. live or right. something, you know, just because, you know, sometimes they're busy and they have to bring in a session guy because they have other work going on or sometimes, you know, just time wise or financial wise, it just makes more sense to have a session guy do it because the parts are, you know, simple or whatever. So, yeah. Um, and like studio, studio, playing is a vastly different skill. Yes. Like just because you're good live really doesn't guarantee that you're any good at all in the studio because yeah. it's a whole a whole separate skill set of things that you have to be good at to be solid in the studio. And I would say like, vice versa too. Yeah, I mean I've I've seen bands uh where you can tell that the the support band is mostly like studio guys. Mhm. 
You know, they all they all have a certain style. Their time is always killer, but they're always kind of robotic. You know, yeah. And I think I think if I'm watching a live show, I would always kind of I would prefer um, passable time for energy and like investment. You know, for just a drum machine of a human, but you, mm. you can tell that there's nothing really behind it. I feel like you can always tell the difference. And yes. some guys have it, have both. The guys that have both are doing very well for themselves, you know? Yeah, really valuable. Yeah, it's weird to think uh, about people and musicians that you play with in terms of who's better in the studio and who's better live. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's, it's, a thing, it's a thing though. And it... You know, it's it's weird because one of the things we've always talked about with Nick, even though he cut his chops live, is mm-hmm. that when when we get in the studio, um, it's very uh, measured and accurate. And, you know, uh, like this is a guy that grew up having to try to rip guitar solos for 20 minutes in the really bar, sloppy. you know. But then we get in the studio and it's very cut and dry and clean. And if we talk about what we want the part to sound like, he's able to replicate that. And uh, Nick has also said the same thing about me that uh, it's crazy writing with you. Yeah, (laughs) I don't understand. Like he'll he'll play this part on guitar or piano, and it's it sounds like a hurricane. (laughs) It's like really messy. And not the timing is off a little bit, but you know he's singing over the top of it, and he's focusing more on the actual writing of the song. And then we get in the studio, and he executes it like just it was as if he he just practiced it a million times, and he shows up and he does it the first time, and we all look around at each other like this doesn't make sense. I've never I remember. It. I remember specifically during Gray when we actually got into like a really good quality studio. Um, after we get done with like an acoustic guitar, because t- I did most of the like bass acoustic stuff, you know, he was doing, and I mean bass, like the bottom line acoustic stuff, and then he did the right. embellishments. But um, like there would be things when we were recording in the studio, I'd get done with a take and it was like, I've yeah. never heard that thing before. Like, <laughs> right like on the song you Young. Did. If you listen yeah. to the song Young all the way front to back, you'll hear what I'm talking about. And then we play it live and I'm like, you're playing the song that you wrote wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm trying to, it's weird because live, you're totally like, you're just in the, the moment with everybody else. And I feel like it's, there's a lot more forgiven, you know, like, especially, yes. And when you're with the band, especially, um, you know, on any song that we play with you guys as the band, if my acoustic cuts out for some reason, like we can still do the song, you know, and it's like having somebody cover your ass on another instrument, like, there's nothing like that. That's what Nick and right. I talk about sometimes and these acoustic shows or whatever is it's, you know, I'm fortunate that I have Nick, but you know, you think about some of those solo artists, it's like just them and an acoustic guitar at the mm-hmm. acoustic shows. And it's, that's, 
naked. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if I could, I, how many times things have gone wrong when, when Nick and I are doing duo shows, but one of us has been able to cover what's going wrong. You know, it's right. like, there's been a lot of times <laughs> like that. Like, and where people probably didn't even notice, like, well, I mean, they notice when you're switching a battery or something on stage, but if, yeah. Or string breaks or something. Well, even that. I mean, there's been times where, you know, brother, you or I has broken a string on stage during a duo show. And it's like, we're literally restringing it while we're singing <laughs> on stage, yeah. like trying to. And, yeah, we and played it, this it small bar up, and did that. I remember that. That was weird. In those settings, like it ends up being endearing. Like, I feel like those people are yeah. like kind of like that that happened. Oh, wow. Look what he's doing. He's every, changing the string time. and singing. Wow. <laughs> every time after the yeah. show, they're like, it's cool. How'd you guys do that? Like, well, <laughs> you know, it's just, it just comes from time and like, yeah, I, I think that's something really interesting too is, uh, you know, Jake, I'd say that you're the one person that we play with in a band setting that we have gotten uh, finally comfortable with like inputting ideas and um, you know because when when Nick and I create I think we tended to be for many years not as not much now mm-hmm. to be very uh, like inwardly focused and and prideful mm-hmm. about what we were making and and I mean in a good way we still take pride in it and saying like oh you know Talbot and Talbot wrote the song. That's what we've always right. wanted to kind of feel like, but that doesn't mean that you can't have people's ideas. It it's right. the Avengers, you know. You got to mm-hmm. have other people's input and their abilities brought to the table to make things better. So mm-hmm. have you felt like <laughs> there's a difference from when we started to now or do you feel like we're still assholes? <laughs> There's a there's a big difference from okay, that's good. <laughs> now between now and you know four or five years ago whenever yeah. we all started playing how long ago was we're that way bigger longer longer than five years but yeah <laughs> now uh, we're assholes together <laughs> no I mean like I don't think I was ever in a position where I was really I mean on the flip side of the coin is this is funny I, I thought we were gonna do a whole ep, a whole episode just on this but. I think when we first started playing together, my mindset towards it was completely different to where to what it is now. Like when we first started playing, I very much wanted to like be able to say that I put my mark on things. You know, I mm. I cared a lot about feeling like I was contributing creatively and being able to say like, oh yeah, I did. Uh, you know, I came up with this idea for this song yeah. and how that translated to playing. Like I've never, the one thing that stayed consistent is I've never been like a chops guy really. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think I've just accepted the role of what a drummer in a singer songwriter band looks like. And it's not, you know, getting a whole lot of gratification or like, um, you know, pats on the back all the time. Mm -hmm. Or the job is to be, like if you if you can go the whole show and nobody notices you you did yeah. your job yeah. unless there was That's like cool. a very spe- a very specific like 
when we play uh, "In the Air Tonight" by Phil Collins. Like they should they should know you're there then, you know. Or yeah. we do like the jam before "Hey Honey," where there's like just the drums only intro. Yeah. But everything else like really takes a backseat, and that's intentional. And I take a lot of pride in being able to play that way now. But before I, I had I had a problem with that, like when yeah. I was when I was younger, because I you know I was. 17 when we all started playing together yeah like i was a i was a kid and it was my first chance to play in a band so i was like i want everyone to know that i am in this band you know i am part of this and now i could care less about if people know me as drummer for the talbot brothers or whatever i'm just <laughs> i just am happy to be on be along for the ride but yeah um but yeah i, I have noticed a difference in, in you guys specifically as well i mean i think like you said <laughs> Like music is such a personal thing that it's hard it's hard to take input from anyone from something that is is your baby. And I think mm-hmm. anybody who's in a creative position can agree with that. Like even even as engineers, like people don't want to admit that their ideas are maybe not that their ideas are bad, but there that there is a better way to go about something because of the time yeah. spent, right? People get so attached to the idea of I spent so much time on this that oh my gosh, you know, yeah. if I have to change something, that all that time will have been wasted. But that's not true because unless you're really starting from the beginning again, which is seldom, you know, um, if you hadn't have spent all that time, you wouldn't have gotten to this point where someone could give you this like really great feedback that could take it to the next level, you know. Yeah. So you have to. I mean, I think everybody who is creative and who is making things and collaborating on things. I think there's always a, like a reckoning time where they realize if I really want to make it to the next level and be really good, I have to put my ego behind me. And that's where I, I got there on drums like very quickly. I feel like, um, playing, playing with you guys. I think after the first real tour that we did together where I was playing drums, um, I realized that I needed to like, do some inward thinking about my approach to being a professional musician. And, uh, you know, I'm glad that it, I'm glad that it happened because I feel like I, that's why I get invited back now. (laughs) Yeah, no, totally. I I feel the same way about playing over stuff. I was that way on guitar for a long time where I, where we're playing these cover songs in these bars and starting out mm -hmm. just trying to like, feel like I could actually, make something stand out in the song because I just wanted to. Right. And right. it just ended up me being kind of like, why is that dude shredding over the top of that four minutes? <laughs> For four minutes straight, it doesn't even make sense. And then, right. then I started to plateau with my solos. They started to be all the same, just in different keys. And I was like, <laughs> what, what the hell am I doing right now? I need to actually like learn craftsmanship, like, master my craft and right I, I think you'll always be mastering your craft um i'm always yeah. learning something even now but it's it turned into like what does the song need not as what nick need and mm-hmm. that's when the shift happened for me too but i totally relate to that like young kid just like oh man i just got an electric guitar i'm gonna mm-hmm. just go melt faces and right no no well, and there's something about like being on real stages for like the first time in your life. You know, even if even if that period of time is a couple years, mm-hmm. you know, you you spend most people that are in in music 
especially spend a long period of time just playing in their bedroom, you mm -hmm. know, or, you know, in lessons or whatever. And then they finally get this chance to be on a real stage. Oh, this is my time to shine. And mm -hmm. they can do no wrong, you know, in their yeah. mind because they're used to in their bedroom playing on volume 11 and their parents telling them <laughs> everything they play is great, you know? Yeah. So why would no, why would no one else think this? Yeah, so, it's weird. Yeah, I think you need you need to have the growing pains to really to really turn the corner on it. As musicians, we all kind of before we start playing together, you know, people don't realize most of the time how much of it started out with just you in your bedroom, like you were mm -hmm. saying, Jake. You know, like the hours and hours that you put in just like trying to find your place in music. And so, yeah, like you said, you throw all these people in one room that are trying to like peacock, you know, right. and like, and it, it's, it's a weird dynamic. And it's like you guys have been saying, you know, if you can, if you can know when to shut your mouth and like let, let it be about the song and what's happening. And, mm -hmm. you know, that is, that is like the single best advice. I feel like you could give a musician that wants to do it for a living is like, right. Just know your place. And if you, if you link up with a good group of people that really care about it and are good, let them shine when they mm -hmm. need to, like, you don't always have to be like, the knight in shining armor. Like just right. sometimes it's just as important for you to be the support on something. And um, th that could be, you know, that's with everything, right? Like if, if you know when someone is going to shine mm -hmm. and you help them shine, then when it's your turn, which it will, it will, especially in a live setting, you know, like Jake, like you said, you know, a song we play live might start with, or end with or have a segment in the middle that's like 30 or 40 seconds of just drums or something, which right. like I, I love all the time. I, <laughs> I, I'm such a big, like when a track starts with just a fat drum beat for like mm. 30 seconds or ends with everything drops out and it's just a drum beat at the end. Nick, it, you know, it was just like uh, when we were in the studio for this, the single we've been working on, Nick sent me the mix. Um, and uh, at the very end, there's just like the drums just rock for like a solid 20 seconds. And I texted him, I was like, you did that for me, didn't you? That's why you put that in there. Because I was working out, I listened to it and I was just mm -hmm. like, yes. Mm -hmm. oh, it's so cool. But it, mm -hmm. that's, not, that's the kind of thing. It's like this give and take and, then the people that are watching the show, um, they pick up on that and they're like, okay, this is like a uh, relationship sort of that these these people have on stage and they're like ebbing and flowing and it just, it makes it like all the more interesting instead of everyone just coming in right at the top and everyone leaving right at the end of, you know, the last right. beat. Like it, it feels like, you know, if I can say as like a leader on stage, 
allowing for room for the musicians that we have on stage to spread their wings and like just nail it. Mm -hmm. it it's there's those are the most satisfying moments during the show. Like when right. I step away from the mic and Nick does his guitar lead his solo or when when Nick and I both step away and Jake you do something on drums it's like those are the moments we remember at the show We're like you remember when we just all like backed up and then it just like a drum mm -hmm. beat for like you know it's so fun it's it, I love watching people feel like what they created or the idea that they have that felt special to them especially in the moment when they made it is like coming to fruition, mm -hmm. you know, like, oh, this is, this makes me feel a part of that, you know, like Jake, if you were to work out a drum part on your own and then we play it live, but you sent me the drum part before we did it live and like, what do you think about this? Mm -hmm. This is like the one moment on stage where I can just like forget about everybody there forget about what we're doing after the show and the logistics of the travel and whatever and how we got there. And I'm just like, right. just take my hands off the guitar, step away from the mic. Same thing with Nick solo. Like I really don't remember what I'm playing chord wise when Nick is doing a lead or a solo. It's just yeah. like, um, I'm playing his part in my brain, you know, just like right. singing it. And it's, it's such a, a such a fun feeling. Like it, it feels like just this big mosaic of everyone bringing in their ideas into like, I, that's the best part about a, a live show is that it's all these little pieces coming together to make one sound. And, right. uh, and, uh, it's like those paintings or those mosaics that artists do where like a bunch of artists come together and paint, a huge wall or something and like mm -hmm. it makes one thing and it's it's super cool to watch that i right i love being i love my job on stage because you know I, i'm up front but these moments where i'm just fading into the back and like these things are happening those are the things i, I don't remember going up and singing my lead part like right. that's just business as usual. But like when mm -hmm. you guys do your thing, it's so fun. Yeah, we <laughs> fun. we love talking about that in terms of even loading into the venue and like watching the crew set up and you know setting the room up right for that night and having having a team there and watching everybody do their part and do their job and like having us all kind of stand back and right before curtain you know it's like there's this moment where you kind of have this like you're proud to be a part of of this and like being there and mm -hmm. when the whole thing plays out like you said bro there's something that happens that's just I think a lot of times because our name is the one on the marquee um I I think there's so much that happens that we don't do that we rely on other people for and that having those people, being surrounded by those people that you can count on for that stuff has been something we've learned um, the value of, especially in the last couple of years. And 
it just makes those moments even more enjoyable when you have people around you to enjoy them with and you get to like celebrate the, you know, the little things and even the shit that you can't control that just completely, you know, comes out of nowhere. It's still, you're still in it as, as a team and and with other people. So I feel like it just, being a part of that is, it's a incredible thing aside from just playing the music. Right. Mm. So yeah, we talked, we just spent a long time talking about kind of the final product, the live show, the, the songs in the studio, but that's not to say like, I want everyone to know that we don't just like all show up on show day and just like play the show for the first time. Like there's, <laughs> there's a lot of collaborative effort that goes in at least most of the time when we're doing it right going into rehearsal. There are some times where, you know, I'll just show up and play drums and then leave the town the next morning. But um, <laughs> I wanted to talk a little bit specifically. This is one of the things that I wanted to bring up last time that we didn't have time for. I want to talk about like how the relationship between practice and creativity, because I think a lot of times as musicians specifically, but I just, I think just creative people in general put a lot of this, a lot of emphasis on just the creative aspect, um, but not, not as much emphasis on actually honing the craft. Mm. Um, So I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on, do you think, there's a direct relationship between practice and creativity, or do you think they're separate, um, two separate um, talents or skills? I think practice comes from the creativity. Without mm. being creative and making the thing, there'd be nothing to practice. And I think mm. having the ability to dissect it scientifically during practice requires the other part of your brain. And when you're creating, you're, nece- you're not necessarily using that same part of your brain. You're more thinking on the, the right brain side of, you know, it doesn't really matter how structured it is yet. It doesn't matter exactly how it flows or, or what the tempo is or, you know, are you going to play this, this minor note underneath um, in this chord or all the little logistical things that come from playing the song with people or playing it on a record, you don't really, for me, I don't really think about that stuff until like the production stuff, I'd call it until I'm about like halfway or three quarters through the song and feeling Mm. really good about it. And then after that, it's, it's interesting because of the last record we did with ghost talker. Um, I actually, we did so, so many layers in the studio with guitar and piano and everything else, it it actually turned into, for me, it turned into like, okay, what parts do I actually want to play on the guitar? Because some of these mm-hmm. parts, like they're layers and they're going to be played by a keyboard now or played with the acoustic or Tyler's going to be playing electric also. And it, it like turned into this, wow, there's so many things here. I'm overwhelmed with options, but they all sound amazing. And for me, I was like, okay, I have to pick what I'm going to play and practice that one thing. And there was a few parts that were really tough. Um, I, I really stretched my guitar playing on that record. Thanks to Justin Abel. He really worked with me on that. Just kind of getting outside of my norm. And 
I find I found myself getting frustrated over these like these new ways of playing parts that my brain wasn't computing yet. So it took a long time for me to to learn kind of that style and and to also still keep my style rooted in that but just do something that was a little bit outside of my comfort zone. So it involves like everything from setting your pedals to the correct position to, you know, how, which guitar you're going to play on each song. Cause each guitar is different. You know, am I playing a hollow body? Am I playing, you know, a, more of a strat or a telly? Um, the settings on the amp, like there's so many things that go into each song with reverb and delay. I mean, I could keep going, but it's, it, it turns into this whole like logistical, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Turns into this whole like logistical thing. Like you're you're not really thinking at this point about how meaningful the song is or, or what it's about. You're thinking more about how can I create that atmosphere so that other people can feel like it's meaningful or important so that they can connect. And that's mm-hmm. not to say like I get on stage and I tune out from from like feeling the song, but there's an element of if you get a click track in your ear or your, you know, your settings change drastically from one part of the song to the next, you're in the back of your mind, you're thinking about, okay, these are things that I have to practice. If I don't practice these things, they're going to sound like garbage on stage. And so I've learned to, to take the element of creativity and forget about all that stuff while I'm writing and just try to focus later on that um when Mm. I first started writing I tried to like produce the song as I went so I was already thinking about how I was going to play it how it's going to sound with the band what I was going to have to practice how I was going to have to practice it and then you know in the last few years I was like let's do that after so for me it just feels better to to practice all that stuff after I'm creative, because I have to separate the two. But that's my long-winded answer to it. Yes, I believe that. <laughs> I think creativity for me has to come first, and it has to be separate. And I can't think about any of the stuff that I'm going to have to practice and learn until after the fact. Interesting. I think I tend to uh, do a bad thing and rely on the creative time as like a practice. Like if I'm writing a song and then someone says, what, did you work on guitar today? I would say, oh, yeah, I worked on a song where I was trying new things. And mm-hmm. um, But I wonder if maybe, Jake, what you're sort of asking is about like scales. You know, like do you... It's funny. Are you asking that? Guitar players always say this. When you ask scales? them if they practice, they said, "Yeah, I did my scales today." There are I don't, I don't infinite things to practice on a on an instrument other than just scales. Yeah, but yeah, I just I just mean you know like dedicating time to fundamental concepts, not like yes. playing time. You know, well, there's I a know. very diff, there's a very different mindset between playing and practicing. I know you specifically are one of the few musicians I know personally that like practice rudiments and like 
you know, what do you call that? Like when you, when yeah. you're doing stick work and stuff. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. you're you're one of the few people I know that do that. And I've, I think, you know, hard part about being a musician that has toured and is like writing music and putting it on records is you sort of start to just focus more on the creation mm-hmm. rather than like trying to. You know, because I think sometimes I tend to think, well, we've got our thing. So, you know, I I don't consciously go, well, we've got our thing, so I don't need to practice vocal scales or, you know, um, anytime I listen to an artist where I feel like they just own their voice, I go, yeah, that's because when I write songs, I don't think I need to be able to go. Right. up and down my range all over the place you know and and I sh- and I should be able to have full I want to have I want to have full control over my voice like um you guys want to have full control over the drum kit or the guitar you know it's really important to me but I tend to think in terms of like song output rather than mm-hmm. Uh, practicing so that when I do create songs, I am doing new things. And, you know, I, mm. it's weird. Cause like it really, for me, the live stuff is when I, when I try new stuff out on my vocals and, you know, so it doesn't sound just like the record. It's uh, like it, I'll do like a vocal run or something or change the melody on some line so that it's, fresh on stage and um nick will always say like why didn't you why didn't you do that the whole time and i'm like oh i've been doing it every day for a month so this is like the way i keep it fresh for me and Mm -hmm. well if i would have somehow you know if i would have practiced and kind of made this melody beforehand um, you know, like I think people will notice if they listen to Ghost Talker and then listen to acoustic selections from Ghost Talker that there's some definite like melody changes there that were just more born out of like having fun and mm-hmm. trying stuff. And like, I don't know. How do you guys feel about that? Like when you listen to an artist and you listen to their record and it's like pretty straightforward, but then you go listen live and you're like, Oh, okay. They're trying I, stuff. I think there's important parts that I miss if they if they take out like a really key melody or something, or they change it. Um, but I love when artists do embellishments like that, where they take the main melody and do something different. Um, that was so fun to do that acoustic. You know, take those songs and turn some of them acoustic and kind of rewrite some of the parts. Just because for us, too, it comes out of monotony and just when you play those songs for a long time and and you want to try something new. And I think it's just curiosity also Mm -hmm. um, with harmonies Mm -hmm. and how different things sound. But I think sometimes it also could be worse. (laughs) You hear a record or or if you see somebody live and they're not singing like the true blue melody of the song that you've been listening to um, and it's something different and it's like drastically different then you're kind of let down by that Mm -hmm. which is yeah never a good thing but 
I also like to respect an artist's willingness to do something different too and to try things. So it's hard. Right. I don't know. I'm indifferent. I feel like um, practice and creativity are like have this perfectly interwoven relationship. And what I mean by this is I feel like you can come at something with a completely with a, a fresh creative mindset and think of a completely new thing. And that will tell you very quickly the things that you need to practice, at least for me, because I often think of drum parts or think of um, like melodies or whatever that I don't know how to make happen. Right. And so I can hear it in my head and I can kind of work it out, but I can't play it fluently. So that tells me, well, in order to make this creation happen, I need to practice. But on the flip side of that coin, there are a lot of times where in my really tedious, boring, you know, practice sessions, it opens up new doors of things that I can create because I've acquired this new skill set that I maybe hadn't even planned on using. You know, I've been like working up being able to play triples on one hand. I didn't just because I thought it would make my doubles cleaner. But now I'm starting to think in a whole new way of playing like triple patterns and like all these different permutations that can come off of this that I had never really thought about before. Um, so I, I, it's hard for me to like say, it's like a chicken and an egg situation for me because I often feel like I think of ideas that I don't know how to play, so I have to go practice them. But then I also feel like dedicating time to practicing fundamental ideas or even things that are just way outside of your comfort zone, just things that you think would be interesting to learn. It raises your, your ceiling and it raises, it just like gives you all this creative headroom. It opens new doors creatively for you because you have all of these new arrows in your quiver to use. And so that's not to say like, every new concept you learn, you have to, you should like go force it into every new song that you write. But I think there's a lot of cool things that can come from like, for example, like Latin music in drums, the Latin patterns are super dope. And I love when I hear a pop song and for like just a few seconds, the drummer breaks into this Latin groove or something. And it's just like a fleeting passing thing but it's this super hip vibe that an otherwise pretty stale song is just like really freshened up otherwise things start to always sound the same so ty you you had mentioned like we feel like we have our thing but what happens when you run out of things like i feel like i feel like if you're not always practicing new things you're not always like in the woodshed even if it's something different from when you would normally play eventually you're you're just going to hit your ceiling and i feel like what separates like the next level people that we admire is they've put in all this time on like the boring super boring stuff but that lets them yeah. like that lets them speak on their instrument like I, I one of my biggest inspirations on drums his name is mike johnston he's a drums educator but he always talks about um being able to have conversation with all this, all the sounds on the drum kit. So you're not truly able to create something unless you feel like you're, you're 
saying something and you can't say something until you learn the words and you don't learn the lear- words until you learn the letters, you know? So it's like this, mm-hmm. all these building blocks of fundamental concepts to where when you're in a live setting, we'll bring it back to the live thing. Cause that's like really where we're all rooted is playing live, right? There are times where you're in a, in a position and you feel like, man, I'm, I'm hearing something in my head that would really complement this the energy or the room or, you know, the vibe that's going on right now. But I can't, you know, I, I, I can't speak right now because I'm, I'm tied up with something else. But if you had spent the time like doing all the building block work and you had complete control over what you're doing, you know, you could at any, at any time say anything that you want. Hmm. It's kind of a double-edged sword because from those things, right. It's a double-edged sword because you can always say too much, right? So like you don't mm-hmm. want to get to a point where you have all this all this these arrows in your quiver and you're just constantly like it goes back to what mm-hmm. we were talking about before where you're just like obnoxious on your instrument. You've got mm-hmm. all these chops but it doesn't fit. Um mm-hmm. so it's a balancing act, but I think a lot of times like artists um undervalue practice. And I think a lot mm-hmm. of times really technical musicians undervalue creativity they get, you know, kind of pigeonholed one way or another and they're not able to bridge the gap. Yeah, I could see that for sure. I think you you do get in a rut. Um, and that's kind of how I felt too a while back before, before we moved to Portland was it was that for me because we were playing some of the same types of music in some of the same settings all the time that it it felt like I kind of had hit a ceiling with my playing and I found myself kind of staying in the same area on the neck of the guitar or, you know, my solos and my, a lot of my parts that might be backing, uh, another piece of the song where Tyler's singing or whatever it is felt, felt like they were just kind of boring or, or blah for me. Cause I've, it was like, oh, it's, I'm just going to play this in the key of A now instead of in the key of E. And right. it turned into this, like, what am I actually trying to achieve? Like, where am I going with this? And I definitely felt that rut, fi- finding that that place of, like, I can't really do anything else. I feel stuck. And right. I started to learn more about, like, the pentatonic blues scale, started to learn more about just navigating um your way around the guitar neck finding the root note and then using all of those strings and notes in that chord to play and it kind of opened some doors for me but um that's i mean that's something i'll always be doing and i could definitely be practicing more for sure but it's it's an ongoing process yeah yeah i like I don't remember which one you said, but that ability to call upon the fundamentals and what you've practiced and mm. almost make that creation feel a little more effortless. That's mm-hmm. I, I really like the thought of that. I mean, I think that would be one of the biggest inspirations for me to practice my vocal scales and even in my guitar and, um, you know, I've always said that I'm not a piano player, but I can play songs on the piano. Right. You know, and I would like to be the kind of person that could just jump on keys and right play 
with a band. I, when I played with a, the only uh, other band that I really played with, um, I was playing keys and this singing backup. And, you know, I, I felt so uncomfortable on the keys. Right. You know, I mean, they weren't a band that did a lot of impromptu stuff on stage, so it wasn't right. a big deal. But, like, I was just learning songs, and then, but if they would have ever had said, okay, let's just jam on this for a while on keys, I don't know if I, I don't know if I would have been able to do it, you know? Yeah. Nick and I do it sometimes. Like, I'll get on the keys, and he'll get on electric, and it's fun, but. I don't know it enough to be comfortable in like a impromptu session. So right. that that's that's definitely one of those instruments where I feel like I want to know how to play it so that mm -hmm. I can. That's really interesting. I don't think about that really a lot, especially where we are now. Um, you know, like speaking the language of an instrument, mm -hmm. and then and then being able to like put that down on paper. That's like a completely right. different thing. It's full. It keeps things interesting. Like yeah. a, a, as an artist who makes a lot of, uh, on an acoustic guitar, I feel like I can play with anyone. Like if, if yeah. you know, I can follow changes and stuff like that. But um, for the amount of stuff that I, that I actually play on stage, I probably need to get, better at all of it <laughs> on yeah. my own. I mean, it's hard, like, it is super tedious. And a lot of people, like, the biggest mental block of not being able to bear the boringness of it is because they don't really understand the benefit. And mm. that's how I used to be. Like, I used to not practice at all. I just, you know, I've got good time. I can just get on the drums and Mm -hmm. these songs are easy yeah. you know it's just yeah. kick snare <laughs> I had like they're just singer songwriter <laughs> songs it's easy but yep. the first time that I really like realized oh there's a lot more to this was when it was explained to me that way of like you ever just like feel like you want to play something but you don't know how and then you are you feel like you it's like you get the wind knocked out of you you literally can't speak mm. And yeah. so this is your way of being able to do that is, you know, learning all the words behind the scenes. So, yeah, I like that. I still don't practice enough, but that's <laughs> no. uh, that the, my practice is motivated by that idea of never wanting to feel like I have, you know, I'm caught with my pants down or have something to mm -hmm. say that I can't get off my chest, you know. Long time ago, we played with the band Kansas, um, and they had heard us playing at the same on the same grounds. It was a fair, uh, oh, a county for, fair. Yeah. Well, earlier that day, we had done our own set, just mm -hmm. like in the pavilion, and um, we went to go meet them before we played, and the lead singer was like, yeah, I heard you guys. I liked it. I could hear it from the trailer. And we were, I said, what would be your, like, does does anyone know who the band Kansas is? <laughs> yeah, man. Dustin Probably. Wind, it's yeah. a classic. Okay. 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 Good. So I said, what would be like your, if you could give one piece of advice to us, 
because we were, you know, I was in high school still at the time. And right. he was like, when you think you're done rehearsing, rehearse again. Yeah. And that, oh, it was just like to hear them say that where they probably just don't really have to worry about money or, you know, mm-hmm. they just play when they want probably now. Um you know, it was really, really humbling to hear that. And so I think we always kind of took that to heart. Like, you know, Jake playing with us, we've always wanted to have like a good chunk of rehearsals before. And that doesn't mean that sometimes in a bind, we don't show up in a city and <laughs> yeah. have you come in and practice the night before, you know, but it's a little different with you. Like yeah. we, we have that, um, that connection that makes it a lot easier, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's, you know, like what you just said, um, being able to know the language and then call upon it when you need to. That's, I think I, I think I learned something today. (laughs) This is the (laughs) good. Well, I think there's like that. I think there's always this, like, I don't ever want to get to the point where I'm complacent in music. Like I don't ever want to, I have such a mad, insane respect for the craft of music and for Mm. people that do it well that I always kind of feel this responsibility to do it justice. You Mm. know, like all the people that wish they could be on stage. You know, you go to a show and you you can't even, you don't have enough hands to count how many people wish they could be in your position. And... You know, I I feel every day that I'm not practicing, which is many days. So, like, I'm not, (laughs) I'm probably just as guilty as everyone, but I feel this insane level of guilt about it because I I always sit around and be like, well, I I wish I could play a show right now, but like, would I even be able to? Because I haven't practiced for like two weeks. You know, I I would, Mm. would I even have a good time at that show? I would feel sloppy if I got on stage right now. It would not, you know, be my best effort. Mm. And, to think of the example of like if we were ever to get to the level of success that a band like Kansas has, you know, I think it's really cool to know that they're still like not being complacent, you know, they have, how many times have they played all these songs in their shows and, you know, they have all this stuff going on. It's basically autopilot by now probably, but they still are doing the due diligence of uh, running everything. That's why I am always like, wanting to have rehearsals. I'm never worried about like coming into a show and just playing the show cover to cover. And sometimes that's what we need to do. Like there's a very different vibe between like the one-off show and uh, like a string of shows, right? Like a a tour. You want the tour to have some feeling of continuity. And in order to do that well, you should have played like, played the set ideally like 10 times before you even take it on stage the first time, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm all about it, man. Yeah. yeah, transitions too. Do you think that creativity is a learnable skill? Whoa. It's th- it's gonna sound really conceited, but I've never been that person that like I don't know how to make stuff. Yeah but I want to, I was always just outputting like bullshit ever mm-hmm. since I was a kid, you know, just stuff that I knew was really bad, mm-hmm. but just needed to get it out. What about, what about you guys? Man, that's a heavy one. 
I think um, I kind of I think I'm gonna offend some people depending on who listens to this podcast. If there's any like diehard creatives out there, they're gonna be offended by my answer. I think that people that are naturally creative um, put creativity on too much of a pedestal. It's mm. kind of like I liken it a lot to how like the health and fitness industry mystifies weight loss because that's how they have value to, so people will pay them to teach them how to lose weight. Um, it's a, like, it's a very simple thing to work on. I think, um, that's not to say that natural creativity isn't a thing, right? I like, I'm not naturally creative at all, which comes as a surprise to most people because I am involved in a lot of creative endeavors, but most of the mm-hmm. things that I create are backed up with, this is why I, I'm so passionate about practice. Everything that I have to create is backed up with like research and practice and like being really terrible at something behind closed doors for a long time before I get to a point where I feel mm-hmm. like I can string ideas together. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there are ways to kind of um, kickstart your creative mind. And I think it is something that you can get better at. Brother? Yeah. I think you can foster creativity. I think, I believe that you're born, you know, you're born with certain abilities and talents and skills, but you also can learn those things too. Um, I think that, like you said, Jake, I agree where it's like, all right, I want to do this. Um, Say I want to paint and I want to do it abstractly. And I think if I sat down and bought a canvas and a bunch of paintbrushes and started throwing paint on there, I'd be a really shitty painter for a long time before yeah. I was able to create something that I was actually satisfied with. But I think it's a blend of taking that creativity and applying it with the fundamentals of, you know, using a paintbrush or learning which type of brush stroke you want or... um you know the when it comes to music it's hard i f- i fall into your camp bro where i've always been that way i don't know any different i i feel like i've just i see things and hear things and randomly things come to me and i don't really understand it and i've never really taken the time to question it um mm. if it's if it's not broke don't fix it i guess <laughs> but i i don't understand how that works but I do know that if I sit down and I play and I, and I do practice and I do work on those thoughts that started out being these like creative things that just flew into my brain, I do feel like I could get better. I I could improve on that, but I don't know. It is, it's kind of like the chicken and egg thing. Like you said, Jake, it's like, for me, I, I don't know. Like, I think right. I just, I love being creative and I, I know that I could be better about finding ways to enhance that and to foster it. But in terms of like, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm riding the fence, boys. <laughs> <laughs> For me, I, how'd you think of that question? Dude, I, uh, I'm kind of just a contrarian in all ways. So <laughs> like, I, it's like people that are super type A, right? People uh-huh. that are, you know, they hang their hat on having high attention to detail 
or being on mm. time all the time or whatever. These are like pillars of their personality. And these are the things that they write mm. on a resume as like, these are my defining features. But mm. I've always kind of felt like everything is a learnable skill. Like there's very mm. few things that I feel like I couldn't learn how to do given the amount of time, given time, right? Time is the time. limiting factor. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody, like I, I'm never here to say that people aren't born with certain strengths and weaknesses or whatever. But I think, and this, I mean, kind of goes back to even our personality episode where I think as soon as you start to just write off your weaknesses as things that you can never improve and just say, well, I'm just defined by my strengths, then you're, mm. you're actually never going to go anywhere because you're never going to mm. improve in any way. You might get better at the things that you're good at, but you're going to be so held back by the things that you're not good at that it's going to be, I, I don't think it's going to balance out. I think it's going to hurt you in the long run. So like for mm. me, as someone, as a musician who's not, who, who hasn't always naturally been just super creative, I've always been more technical and more analytical about the way that I approach music. It's something that I've had to learn how to get better at because, you know, I don't, I don't want to come to every session and just play the same parts, even though, Mm -hmm. even if I have all these skills that I've built up, you know, I want to be able to implement some of that stuff and, and, and Mm -hmm. think in a new way. And so for me, like creativity for me really is like a culmination of, um, skills and experiences because I feel like mm. you have to know, you have to have tried things and know they don't work before you can know like how things go together. And creations mm. for me are always just like this puzzle of existing parts. So you yeah. kind of put together all the things that you've built up over time. You know, well, this one concept doesn't work in this situation, so I'm not going to use that. But this mm. one does, so I'm going to put these things, chain all these things together. Mm. And this is like obviously the analytical version of creativity i think like i (laughs) honestly dude i envy people that can just like sit down and write a song and there there Mm -hmm. are there's so many examples of people like this you know Mm -hmm. um but a lot of those people also envy the people that can like have the discipline to sit down and practice one concept for six hours which is a thing that i do often you know Mm mm-hmm so yeah. like I've, I think I've, I think we all want to be a hybrid right of those two people. Yeah. Like I've actually had to invent exercises that force me to be creative mm-hmm. like in mm-hmm. my practice, which sounds insane, but like I'll say um I think people for people that aren't super creative, they get overwhelmed by the idea of possibility. They get overwhelmed by saying, like, here's this mm-hmm. blank canvas and there's all these things that I can do with it, right? Yeah. Yep. But in like a musical situation, this is gonna be like super boring to everyone. But I I just <laughs> I really want to explain this so, so people know if that they're there's still hope. here. Yeah. Then. <laughs> in a musical situation, I've had to like set up exercises where, like, say I'm, if I'm on drums, I play four measures of just time. And then I set aside one measure of fill. Okay, so this measure of fill is my opportunity to be creative. Most people are going to take that one measure of fill and just like lose their minds because there's too many options. Mm -hmm. So like, Mm -hmm. I feel like the way to practice creativity, which sounds like such a weird thing to say, 
is you have to like put put rules to the game. You have to say, okay, mm-hmm. so I have a I have a measure of fill. I'm only gonna play sixteenth notes in four four time. So that gives me mm-hmm. sixteen possible notes that I can play. So just with that one like constraint, you're limiting yourself, but in a way that makes you creative. Because after like three cycles, yes. you're gonna you're gonna play through all of the easy options of like right, right, left, 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 right, right, yes. you know, right, left, right, left, right, left, right, left, all these things. So then you have to say, okay, what yeah. else is there? And you kind of have to zoom out. And I think people, uh, I think people um, think that anytime that they're just like taking a break and pulling out a pen and paper, that that doesn't, that doesn't equal creativity. Like mm-hmm. if you're taking the time to think about a new, like what is a new way I could play this? That's being creative. So like, I think, yes. I think there's this weird, like I said before, I won't be too long-winded with this, but I think there's this over mystification <laughs> of creativity and that it's this like yeah. idealized concept, but it takes many forms. Yeah. So like a very technical yeah. person like me can be creative just in thinking of what are some new ways that I can play this 16, mm. these 16 notes, notes that I've given myself. Yeah, that's, I mean, you've said it perfectly and I wouldn't even relate that to, you know, especially as a musician, um, someone said along the, along the road somewhere that having a schedule actually frees up more time for you because Mm -hmm. it feels much less wasted. Mm -hmm. And so like you were saying, yeah, with that, that rehearsal and that practice and allowing your time during that rehearsal for freedom but it's still structured. Mm-hmm. You don't get overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. That that's really valuable. I feel like because as a creative, you have, you know, Jake or Nick, both of you think about how many times during the day you have these ideas for a drum part or a guitar part or, you know, Nick's words. It's so much, and so if you're able to like put it into a structured environment where there's still freedom Mm -hmm. but you're allowing yourself to be flexible within a range yeah that's that's really interesting way of looking at it that that kind of takes the pressure off right Mm -hmm. of like creating because you are able to for that day for that time that you've specifically set aside to work on this you are focused on a specific range of Right. Of creativity, yeah. Wow, that's it's really weird. It's like tuning the radio to like right. the right frequency rather than just like s- scanning all around. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I like that. I'm going to do that tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, you can apply that in so many different ways. Like if you just say, okay, I'm going to write, like in a songwriting example, you just, here's this main idea. And it, you know, mm-hmm. for the sake of refining the skill, it doesn't have to be good. Right, I think that's the the freeing part about it. You could say I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna write ten lines about like the sun or about like some yeah. you know some weird concept, and sure. you'll never use probably any <laughs> any of them, you know. Mm-hmm. But it at least gets you into this headspace of like thinking about how are different ways that I can phrase this same idea over and over again, and it gives you flexibility yeah. in. I don't know, man. It's a rabbit hole topic. I love it. You'll get stuck. I yeah. mean, I 
some of my longest practice sessions have been inspired just by like this one idea of they mm. always branch off and because then I find things that I need to practice and then those things that I practice stem off into create it's like the whole chicken in the egg thing again yeah <laughs> but I mean I feel like on an instrument it's easier to like you find yourself, oh, that was a cool pattern. Let's let's see how I can mm. apply that. Like, how can I voice that around the kit, or how can I, you know, play that melodically or or whatever. So it it's definitely an exponential experience. Yeah, yeah that's dope. Man. I love it. It's awesome. Well, that's uh, I'll I'll finish my rant. I'm just I'm glad <laughs> I I've been sitting on those ideas for a long time. So I'm glad I got to get them out, even if it was just for my that's own great. benefit. Oh, it's great. <sighs> All right, guys. Well, thanks for tuning in to another another week of Similar Vein podcast. Uh, be sure to subscribe, rate, and write a review if you haven't already. Thanks for sticking around this long, all this nerdy talk. Um, we really appreciate you guys. Hit us up on Instagram at Similar Vein Podcast. Um, let us know some things that you want to hear some more of or some things you want to hear less of. That would be good feedback for us as well. But... <laughs> Uh, until next week, we'll see you guys. Thanks, you. guys.